Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brendan. Welcome to the State of the Universe. And my name is spelled B-R-E-N-D-A-N. Okay? And it's pronounced Brendan. So don't say Brand. Don't type Brandon. Don't say Brenda. Okay, also, it's your responsibility. Alright, if I reach out to you to be a guest on this goddamn show, when you respond to my email, you spell my name right. Do you understand me? Right. You spell it right. Because if you spell it wrong, we're done. You're not coming on anymore. We're done. Unless you apologize to me in the form of a written letter that you send to my address. And I'm not going to give you my address. So you're going to have to trace it down. How are you going to trace it down? I don't know. Be investigative. I don't know. But you're going to have to apologize. Don't say Brenda. Don't say Brendan. Don't say... Do say Brendan. But just don't say Brendan spelled the wrong way. Okay? It's on my last nerve. I went to Starbucks the other day. And listen, Starbucks people... I don't, I don't know where they hire these people from. But... Spell my name right. No, actually, I take that back. You don't even have to spell it right. You don't have to spell it right. You just have to spell it on the cup in a way that sounds like my name. The other day, I had a dude at Starbucks. I said... He said, What's your name? What can I write in the cup? And I said, Brendan... Brendan, Brendan, do I need to make that more clear? Brendan, okay, Brendan, that seems like pretty simple, right? So first, he repeats back to me, Brandy, mother, I didn't say Brandy, I said Brendan, okay? Then, then, he goes and scribbles on the cup, and I'm like, okay, he got my name right, Brendan, easy, right? Then, they're calling out a name at the counter, they're saying, random, Random, are you in here random? He wrote my name down as random. My name is Brendan. It's not random, okay? Do I look like my name is random to you? Because, listen, if I was Kanye West's son, maybe my name would be random. Because that's the type of shit he names his kids. But my name is not Random West, okay? My name is Brendan. Don't write random. Also... If someone tells you that their name is random, you should immediately assume that you heard them wrong. That's what you should assume. Listen, I know we're in 2019 and people are identifying as all the different these different names and everyone wants to be a different name and everyone doesn't like their name anymore that their parents gave them and everyone's getting their birth certificate amended and changing their name. They're not Brendan, they're Brandon now and they don't like Matthew anymore, they're Mar-U and Ma- Manhew. But listen, the name isn't random no one names anyone random okay there's not many things you can assume anymore in 2019 you can't assume genders you can't assume races you can't assume education levels you can't assume fiscal responsibility you can't assume eye color you can't assume hair color you can't assume whether or not someone has braces all those are off limits along with many others but here's what you can assume that my name is not random that's it Welcome to the show. Now that I've ranted for 17 hours, thank you for listening to my filibuster. In this episode, I discuss on the great Kev Baker show, this is a short clip of me talking about where we can find life in the universe, but more importantly, in the solar system. Are we looking in the right places and are we looking for the right things? That's the question, and I answer it.
and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Become a patron. Patreon.com slash the state of the universe. All one word. Spell it right, and you have no problems. Or, if you don't like subscription services, donate on PayPal. Or, don't donate. But if you don't donate, you suck. I mean, that's the theme here, right? If you don't do what I want, you suck. If you don't do what I want, you suck. You suck. You suck. And we can see on our own planet that we have some of the strangest life forms that are able to live down around these vents. In fact, it's conducive to, to life down there. And that's what makes this, for me anyway, such an interesting location. Because if life can survive and thrive at the bottom of our oceans with these volcanic vents and things like that, then who's to say it can't happen on Europa? Yeah, that's very true. We have... This is, a, this is a problem when we talk about habitable life, I think. I think it's a systemic problem. I think that too often we, we, put our, we back ourselves into a corner when we talk about habitable life because we can find organisms here on our own planet that live in the most extreme of conditions. I mean, we're talking about organisms that can live at negative 20 Celsius or even up to 120 Celsius. I don't know, Kev. Do you have you have you been to Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming? I haven't, but I'd love to go there. It's a beautiful. It's actually my favorite place that I've ever been to in my entire life. It is the most beautiful place in the world, and I think part of it is that you're on edge. You're on edge because it's a super volcano. Yellowstone is a massive super volcano, and I had Michael Poland, who who is actually the person in charge of monitoring that volcano, the man in charge. He was on my podcast, and he assured me that I shouldn't be worried. It's not just going to blow up. There will be warning signs. But still, when you're there and you're walking on the ground, and everything's active, I mean, you can see geysers. You can see these perfect pools of boiling water. You can't help but think, like, oh, my God, is this thing going to blow up? Am I going to die? It's definitely like a, a real primal feeling you get when you're there, walking around and hiking. You're on top of a supervolcano. But something very interesting happens in Yellowstone. What happens is in the, in the so-called Grand Prismatic Spring. And you can look this up. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. What, what it has is a, a multitude of colors. I mean, in the center, it's crystal clear. On the outside, there's some orange hues. There's some different colors. These are caused by in part by bacteria that live in the water. They live... It's boiling water. And they live in the water. And they cause those bright colors. So we need to be careful when we talk about what habitable is and this was what you're getting at we can find things that just live in the craziest of circumstances and they seem to be doing just fine and thriving so i think when we talk about habitable life we need to be careful not to always search for humans because life can take on a variety of different of different ways of living based on the environment that that it spawned it and so europa might be an example of that there might be some, hell, you might even imagine some intelligent octopuses floating around down there. You know, you could, you could feasibly imagine that in the warm water. Could those octopuses feasibly, or octopi rather, could they feasibly build some way of communicating with us? Eh, probably not. Maybe though, maybe I just don't understand enough about the life of an octopus because they are pretty intelligent creatures. Absolutely, and we can look at the intelligence of dolphins and whales on our own planet. And just because I, I like... The fact you brought up that we shouldn't be looking for life as we know it, for lack of a better term. You know, life can possibly 
survive and thrive in many different conditions, some that we would not even pay attention to. We would think it was absolutely ridiculous for life to spring up there. And even this carbon-based form of life that we are, I've sometimes speculated, you know, and told people, maybe we need to open our minds because I like sci-fi shows, obviously. Brendan, I'm sure you liked them when you were growing up and you hear about silicon-based life, stuff like that. I think we have to open our minds to the potential for finding life that is nothing like we expect it to be. Yes, you're absolutely right. There are some synthetic biologists, uh, people, biologists who try to create life synthetically, try to see, is there some configuration we can do in the lab that's different from what we know that can create life? Is there some way that we can spawn single cellular organisms some other way than, than they spawned in nature? And what they're finding is that yeah, there's some unique ways in which nature can create life. Uh, I've, in fact, recently, please don't quiz me on this because I'm not a biologist, but I just remember reading sort of a popular article on this. Synthetic biologists were able to come up with four new pairs in DNA. So rather than the four that you're used to, the four amino acids that you're used to pairing, nucleotides, in fact, I think they're called, this particular synthetic biologist was able to come up with eight. So this creates a diversity in life that we haven't seen before in nature. But nevertheless, you can do it in a laboratory. And if you can do it in a laboratory, what's to say that the universe isn't doing it in its laboratory somewhere far away? So what do you think the likelihood is then of, in our lifetime, seeing some kind of mission launched to end this speculation, drill down beneath the surface of Europa and, and answer all of this? Do you think it's going to happen or is it a bit too far out there yet? It doesn't look good. I'll say that. I know that there is proposed missions to do a flyby of Europa. To right now we have we have had spacecraft that have flew by the Jupiter system before and that's how we know what we do know about Europa. I mean, we have pretty damn good pictures of it. You can find pretty nice pictures of it, and in those pictures you can see striations across the surface. If you look up any picture of Europa, I'm sure you'll see them. These striations that that go across the surface and those striations may very well have been due to the fact that ice cracked at one point. The ice cracked, which let the subsurface ocean come up to the surface and refreeze. And that's why you have different colors. The different colors indicate the fact that the ice has frozen more recently than the surrounding ice. That's possible. And if that's possible, then there is undoubtedly a subsurface ocean. And we should be exploring it. I, I'm not... I am not in agreement with NASA's sometimes slow undertaking of things. And of course, it has to be that way. It has to be slow because the funding is finite, right? In an ideal world, you would have unlimited funds and you could do a million projects and you could hire a million people and you could get shit done super fast. But I also think that NASA, I am a critic. In fact, if you watch my podcast, I am often a critic of NASA and how slow they go sometimes. Right? There's this new lunar gateway that they're planning on doing. The lunar gateway is a space station that orbits the moon. I think it's a waste of time. I think you could spend money better by doing different things. And this is historically my stance. I don't think that there's many things that NASA does that, that I'm completely on board with. I love, Kev, I love that private industry is getting into aerospace. The fact that SpaceX is getting into aerospace the facts that Boeing is in aerospace, all these different companies, Blue Origin, what is the one? Uh, Blue yeah, Origin or something? Amazon. Yes. Yeah. All of them. 
I love it because you can see how damn fast they move. Private industry will always move faster it because it, they don't have to put up with the bureaucracy, right? They can shut the doors. They don't have to talk to people and they can get work done. And when they can do that, they can get a lot of shit done really fast. And so one of the problems though with a, with private industry in space is that there's no incentive for them to explore Europa. There's no reason for them to do that. There's no money there. They're not going to find gold. They're not going to get paid to do it. That's why you need a, an agency like NASA because these undertakings, a lot of scientific undertakings, do not give you a direct payout when you do them the first time. Okay? They pay you in, in knowledge, but knowledge isn't money. Right? And so we need to be willing as a society to fund something like NASA or to fund a space agency of any kind so that they can do things that don't make money directly. I mean, we have to, I would, I would hope that, that everyone would be in agreement that we would want to study Europa to figure out if there's life there. But there's no money in that. And so unfortunately, we have to rely on NASA to get there very slowly, very sluggishly, and maybe in my lifetime they'll get there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Be sure to like, rate, review the show wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Go ahead and click that five-star button, that thumbs-up button, that subscribe button. And I appreciate you guys so much. The show is now listened to in 50 states and over 64 countries. And that blows my mind. So, thank you. And if you like this background music, go ahead and check the descriptions where you can find music like it for free.